Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Constance Hall. Constance is a wife, mother, homeschooler, and a graduate with a master's in theology with an emphasis in philosophy. She is passionate about beauty, working towards holiness, the sacraments, all things Catholic. She's published at The Federalist, The Public Discourse, Catholic Exchange, and blogs, and frequently at Swimming the Depths. Constance, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So before, I always forget as I go through the interviews, but how can people follow what you're doing? Because if I do it first, then I have a, I'm much better off. Well, I I publish every Thursday at Catholic Exchange. So that's kind of where my my regular writing is. I do have my own blog, Swimming the Depths, but because of my responsibilities as a mom, and I don't write as much there as I'd like, but in time when that season comes. Yes, I, I know the feeling, but your job is much more important. And uh, when you can squeeze out articles, you do, but you're, you got your priorities straight, which I can't say for a lot of people. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough balancing act, for sure. I, I worked as a DRE last year, and it was impossible to balance. <laughs> so I'm waiting yep. until my daughter is an adult. <laughs> well, you wrote a, a, an interesting article that we were talking about before we came on air that I, I really appreciated. And it was in Catholic Exchange where it was published. It's called Turn from the Desire of Worldly Esteem. And, you know, you're writing this article does remind us it is a challenge of wanting to be liked so much that you're willing to give up or water down the faith so that people like you. And that what you have you been seeing a lot of that lately? Yeah, I do. And and I also wrote the article, you know, just for my own experience and struggles. Um, you know, we all as we're trying to grow closer to the Lord, as, as we come to a deeper understanding of what discipleship truly requires of us, we start to see the areas where, oh yeah, I'm, I'm surrendering too much of my soul in order to be liked. You know, I'm, I'm watering down the truth and I'm watching others do the same thing because we want to be esteemed by fellow Catholics, by um, people in politics, um, all levels. You know, we're always kind of, seeing seeing this struggle between the world and the kingdom of God and what he really wants from us. So I wrote it from what I'm seeing, but also just in my own walk with the Lord, seeing where I have failed in this department. Well, and it, and it is an individual thing, but as you point out really in the first paragraph, it's it's what we're seeing in the church with this synod on synodality, right? It's this wanting to assimilate with the culture instead of being a light and having people conform their lives to the teachings of Christ, we're seeing high ups within the church seem to be watering down the teachings so that it can assimilate to the to the world, and that's exactly the wrong thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, this is what I think the church has really been battling for the last fifty or so years: is this the difference between going out and and living the Great Commission and leading souls to Christ versus letting the world set the agenda for us. And so there's this kind of tension that's going on, yeah, in higher levels of the church, even in our own parish communities, where people kind of mistake how we're supposed to walk with one another in the Lord, and we water down the truth because we don't want to offend people or 
because people get angry because we call them out for different things that they're doing, even as we're loving them and we're trying to truly accompany them to the Lord rather than, I say, over a cliff, which is always the danger uh, when we're trying to reach people. And instead of wanting to truly bring them to the Lord, we water down whatever it is they're struggling with, whatever sin it is they're struggling with. Uh, we don't confront that. And we're seeing that a lot in the church. And And I think that's where kind of with accompaniment, there's been a lot of struggle too, is what does accompaniment really mean? It means leading people to the truth. It means leading people to Jesus crucified. And that is a painful process of being set free from things we're attached to in the world. And so we have to give people the truth so that they can find freedom in Jesus's crucifixion and resurrection. Well, and Jesus reminds us right in the Gospel of John, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and we know God is love. So if if love is synonymous with truth, and we water down the truth, then really when we do that, as much as we're trying to appease ourselves, we're not loving our neighbor. We're actually trying to love ourselves, but in the end, we're not loving anybody because we're denying them the truth and really the ability to be able to make changes in their life that we all need to make, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the whole point of love is to lead people to heaven. And in order to truly love, I, I, the way that I look at it is love is expressed most perfectly on the cross. And so love is crucified. So that means that we have to draw people into that reality and we love them enough to love them towards heaven. And when we don't give them the fullness of truth, which requires a crucifixion with whatever sin that, that someone may be struggling with, then we're not, we're not really loving because we're not desiring heaven. We run the risk of desiring hell for people. When we try to make everybody like us, we know the old adage, really, nobody likes us. So if we have to watch everything we say and we're walking on eggshells and we're trying to make people like us, in the end, we're not going to accomplish what we're desiring anyway. And I remember a few years ago, we interviewed uh, Walt Heyer, who was one of the first people to uh, transition from a male into a female, you know, so-called with the operation. And I just remember him saying, and it's vivid it's all these years later, I just wish somebody would have told me the truth. I don't know that I would have believed them, but nobody, not my psychiatrist, not my friends, not my doctors, no one told me the truth. Now he has since come back to the Lord and, and, and seen things from a different light, but he just emphasized the fact that no one who was close to him or was dealing with him had the courage to tell him the truth. Yeah, and I, I've experienced that myself a few years ago when I had fallen away, you know, I was cohabitating with a man and because other people were rejecting church teaching on things like contraception or IVF or, or whatever, they didn't have the ability to really correct what I was doing. And I, I realized when I reverted that it was, it actually caused me a lot of pain to realize that nobody loved me enough to really be able to say to me, you know, you're, you're putting yourself, your soul at risk, this, this guy's soul at risk. And then I saw kind of the inconsistencies of other people in their denial of the truth and how much pain that caused. So yeah, I, I had that experience as well, where I just was like, I wish somebody would have loved me enough to really care about my soul at that time. 
Well, and you talk about, you know, again, early on in the article, we need to become people of deep and never ceasing prayer, right? If we're going to grow in relationship with the Lord, if we're going to grow in the virtue of courage and fortitude, which it takes to live in this world today, it really is going to be an intimate relationship with our Lord. And that begins in, and really almost ends with prayer, that can, constant communication, that dialogue where we listen and then we speak. Uh, if we don't spend that time in prayer, then we're never going to grow in that relationship, are we? No. And I think one of the dangers in our culture is we're so noisy and everything's so busy with social media and constant entertainment. And I see this, you know, I've struggled with my family trying to balance it. And, and we allow all these voices, this noise to get in the way of our relationship with the Lord when we really need to be going to him, especially in adoration, just abiding, resting in him and deepening our love for him because he'll pour that out into our soul so that we can stand up in those difficult times. If we don't have a prayer life, we're going to run away. We will not be able to undergo the test that will come in those hours of difficulty when people reject us. Instead, we're going to give in because we don't have an intimate relationship and all those graces from that relationship really in our soul. Well, and you also talk about, you know, the reminder that Christ is the model. He didn't, you know, water down things so that people would like him. And he reminds us, right? And you talk about, you know, if the world hates you, realize it hated me first. If they persecuted me, realize they'll persecute you. You're, you know, sheep sent among wolves. I mean, all these things are constant reminders, yet somehow we we either ignore them or forget them and think the Lord isn't there with us when he's promised us these challenges, but that only brings us closer to him and, and modeling our lives after him will be that light we've been called to be in our baptism, right? Yeah. I mean, we are called to be other Christ, which means that our lives will look like his. We will suffer rejection. We will suffer betrayals. We will suffer in body and spirit and mind. You know, we will find ourselves alone at times when we speak the truth. We will find ourselves, you know, struggling to persevere in faith. But all of that has been promised. And I think part of it is just that the cross has been taken so much out of the church in recent decades where we have this kind of false moralistic therapeutic deism that just says, I just have to be a good person or like, no, we're called to be crucified with the Lord, even unto death for, for the truth. And, and in order to help in union with him, save souls. It really is. The Lord is always going to put us in uncomfortable positions because that's the only time we tend to grow, right? Because we're, we're, we're very good at staying in our comfort zone. Uh, and not peeking our heads out, but we never grow in the virtues he wants us to grow in and and the discipleship he wants us to grow in if we constantly stay within our little cocoon and you know not venture out into the world. And it's exactly the opposite, right? He wants us to venture out. He wants us to grow. And, and that growth does involve pain because it's very uncomfortable to do things that, you know, that we don't like or that are challenging to us, aren't they? Yeah, comfort can be very destructive for us spiritually, actually, because that comfort kind of is like a frog being boiled slowly in water, where we start to atrophy spiritually because we prefer our comfort. 
and we don't want that discomfort that's required. And so we start giving up more and more in order to retain our comfort. When the Lord calls us out from that comfort in order to purify us, in order to strengthen us, um, in order to challenge us so that we're willing to love more deeply and to give more to others. And we don't get that when we're kind of paralyzed or addicted to our comfort. No, and that's, we want what we want, but we don't want to have to do what it takes to get what we want. And so there's the kind of the dichotomy there that, that we need to be able to step out if we want to really grow in that relationship with the Lord, who is our guide, is our model. And we need to remember that he constantly walks with us. We're never alone when we do this. So we should never have this fear of stepping out, knowing that he's by our side. But unfortunately, if we're not growing in our faith, we don't have that knowledge that God is walking with us, do we? Exactly. And he tells us that perfect love casts out all fear. So if we don't have that life of prayer, the life of frequent reception of the sacraments, not just checking off Sunday, um, mass obligation, but really seeking to draw as close to the sacraments as our vocation allows um, to really develop that deep, intimate relationship where he pours his love out upon us. It's in that that love that he gives to us, that fear of what other people think of us kind of passes away because we want to please the Lord rather than the people around us. I think one of the, you know, the scariest prayers is to ask the Lord to see ourselves as he sees us. But if we're ever going to grow and change and be who he's called us to be, we really do need to be honest with ourselves and look at ourselves objectively, which is a challenge because we like to criticize everybody else and kind of ignore our own faults. But that's where we're going to change and be able to go out and share the truth when we can honestly say, I'm not doing it. So then we know what exactly we need to work on, right? The Lord really knows our weakness. It's why he tells us that we prefer the plank in somebody else's eye or in the splinter in somebody else's eye to the plank in our own. We really do need the Lord in his love and mercy, trusting in his mercy to show us the dark places within us so that he can purify us so that he can lead us to be holy so that we can be conduits of his grace in the world and truly lead people to the truth. Because as we're growing spiritually, we're always struggling with our own hypocrisy because we haven't grown perfectly in, in different, you know, vices that we have, but we want to become more and more perfect like our Lord out of love for him, but also so that we can love other people and lead them to the truth that's in Christ. Well, and as a parent, you're well aware, right? You're you're a model for your children and, and everybody. And whether you're a grandparent, aunt, or an uncle, if you have children around you, we are to model what it looks like to walk with Christ and to and to be Christ out into the world. If we don't model it for our kids, then we're gonna get all these messages, these worldly messages, and that's kind of where we are today, right? How many Parents have abdicated their responsibility to be the primary teacher for their kids and let TV or iPads or whatever it might be, be the babysitter and the guardian for our kids. And when we abdicate that responsibility, we kind of get the world in which we live in, don't we? That's a great temptation for, for parents. And, you know, I, I've had periods, especially when my, as my daughter grows, I have one daughter and five with our Lord. And you know, it, it's hard to balance all of it and to really see, like, I see very quickly with my daughter and even on myself and others, how addictive technology is and how easy it is to just 
say, okay, well, it's easier to let you just watch this and not pay any attention to what's what's in it. But in reality, we are responsible for the purity of of our children and in leading them to Christ. And so we have to be very involved and be good examples. And I found that because the Lord's also called me to be a spiritual mother. And as I've been a spiritual mother to um, young women, to priests, to seminarians, and, and the ones that our Blessed Mother sends to me, I see that I have to really fully be living what the Lord's calling me to in order to be able to help lead other people. And when I falter, those the Lord has entrusted to me will falter as well. And so we have to seek to stay close to Him and to to be a model that He wants us to be for others. Well, and you even remind us about the saints, right? I, I can't imagine that there's a saint, right, that didn't have to do what we're exactly talking about today. But it wasn't always easy for them either. So you talk about the saints. You, you know, you mentioned St. Faustina. Um, it, it's been done many times. It's never easy. It can be painful. But since we're all called to be saints and we don't get to heaven unless we're saints, uh, it's kind of important, isn't it? It is. I, I think we have a very sentimental view of the saints, and I think that we need to have a very clear-eyed understanding that many, many of them suffered, and they suffered at the hands most, most deeply at the hands of their own brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, we have to understand that the saints wanted to be configured to Christ. They wanted to be like Him, and so do we. And so that means that we are going to encounter rejection, abandonment, betrayal. People won't believe us. There will be people who in our own families, in the clergy, in, you know, all manners of life that will in fact reject us if we're holding fast to the truth. And the same thing happened to our Lord. Well, and the, you know, the bottom line is look, the, the storm is building. It's, it's going to get worse before it gets better. It's going to get worse within the church. If we are not rooted in Christ, rooted in Scripture, have a, a, a you know a, a strong, ever-growing prayer life, then we are likely to be cast out of the boat or jump out on ourselves if we aren't tethered to it. And that's our responsibility to be able to measure what we hear from our clergy or from whoever against the truth and always choose the truth against no matter what anybody else says. And it really is a challenge, but it is something we all need to work on, don't we? We do. And, and we need to also be very clear on the signs of the times. Like you said, things are going to get worse, and they are. Because whether it's just the chaos kind of brewing around the world through war, we went through the pandemic, we've gone through a lot of unrest and turmoil uh, in different regions of the world, but also you know, within the church, there's a, a lot of division and What's startling is to really look at the generations that are coming up behind us and that they are the most unbelieving in world history. They don't really believe in anything. Where in previous times, we're evangelizing pagans who at least believed in a God outside of themselves, where these kids really believe their God, like in their, you know, in that nihilistic kind of relativistic, I'm the decider of truth. And so we have young people who will be over us that that are rather hostile to our faith. And so we need to be aware of where we're, we're moving as a culture, as our culture collapses. And, you know, you had a line in here that, that really struck me because I, I think about this quite often. 
You say we are all weak enough to betray and abandon our Lord under the right circumstances. And, you know, I always go back to, you know, Satan and the angels that denied our Lord and they were cast out of heaven, even within his presence. And you read that line. And, and when you think about that, we should never get comfortable in our faith and think I'm immune to this. Right. If we're not if we don't continue to grow, we are all are susceptible and we need to be live with that reality. That's why it should motivate us to grow in that relationship, shouldn't it? Yes. And and I think it's an urgent call. I think that the hour is late. We're in the garden and we're asleep in many ways. And our Lord is is telling us to stay awake because the hour is at hand. And, you know, in that moment, the Lord was abandoned. We, you know, we, we tend to forget by 10 of the apostles betrayed by one, and St. John, of course, came and, and stayed with our Blessed Mother at the foot of the cross. But those were those, those apostles closest to him fled when the moment of crucifixion came. And so we should never be comfortable enough to think we're better. Because depending on what circumstances were to arise, we would need tremendous graces from our relationship and our love of the Lord to withstand those difficulties. Well, and we need those sanctifying graces that we can get through the sacraments. And, you know, if we're not cleansing ourselves by going to confession, then we are not going to have the capability to receive the graces the Lord wants to give us. So we need to con- constantly go to confession, you know, no less than once a month to cleanse ourselves so that the graces the Lord wants to give us will help fortify us in this tremendous battle that lie ahead, right? I love confession. In fact, I went before the interview. Um, it's such a beautiful <laughs> sacrament uh, where we get to encounter Christ's love and his mercy in the person of the priest and that we need. Uh, we fall. All of us fall daily. And and some of us struggle with some really deep habitual or addictive sins. And we really need those graces poured out constantly. And I always tell people, because I encounter people all the time, are like, well, I'm afraid, and the priest is going to be judging me. And no, the priest isn't going to remember your sins. He's there to absolve you and to help you rise from the dead of sin, you know, the death of sin. And he wants you to be there. And I also tell people that there is no sin you've committed they haven't already heard. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're just not that original sin is boring and we we do the same things over and over again but the lord knows and he wants to free us and so we should absolutely go to confession regularly for those graces for that strength and self-awareness because through confession we really start to see you know this is where i'm i'm really weak and i need the lord to strengthen me so yes go to confession as frequently as possible well and it does remind you know when you talk about those voices that tell us well you know, he can't forgive me. I can't, try. you know, these are all lies of the evil one. The evil one does not want us to be cleansed. He does not want us to be able to receive graces. He's trying to steal souls. So the closer we grow to the Lord, the easier or the more likely will be to fight off those lies and those voices that we hear. And I think that's a great reminder that, yeah, we, we can try to talk ourselves out of stuff, but that's that's not of the Lord especially when it comes to growing in holiness and, and partaking in the sacraments. So I appreciate you, you know, talking about that, but you, you know, in, in the last couple minutes, you do give us some, some ideas, whether it's shutting off news, turning off technology, you, you lift the, the litany of humility, which is a prayer I pray every day just because I really need it. 
Um, you give us some tools to kind of look at our lives and what do I need to prune from our life and what should I add? And you know, I think that was really important. Yeah, we need to know what what tools are going to help us in the spiritual fight and what's going to help us draw closer to the Lord. And the litany of humility, especially, and you have to be ready because the Lord is going to answer that prayer when you pray for true humility and all the different things to be freed from worldly esteem, to be even freed from being the desire to be loved by others, because that can get in the way of our relationship with the Lord. And I know that he will answer our desires to grow in humility and love of him. I used to joke with the pastor I worked with where I was his director of faith formation, that when something humbling would happen, we would tease each other and say, you must have prayed the litany of humility today. Mm -hmm. And so the Lord really wants to draw us to be like him. And so the litany of humility draws us into that, the rosary through walking with our blessed mother who should be at the center of our families in leading us to Christ and St. Joseph. My husband is an absolute, I, I joke that he's the apostle of St. Joseph. He just loves St. <laughs> Joseph so much and, and how they, they lead us to Jesus and they help our families to free us from those distractions and those things that get in the way of our relationship with Jesus. Well, and your point earlier to the saints, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. We're actually doing, we just, finished Father Calloway's uh, consecration or will, and, and we'll be doing a consecration on, you know, coming up soon. Um, but the Virgin Mary, St. Joseph, they've all dealt with this. It's not like they have lived a life of um, immune to all these difficult challenges. So they get it and they want to lead us to their son. And we do that by entrusting ourselves to the Virgin Mary and St. Joseph, who who get the challenges that we have to live with, right? Yeah, it, it, it's funny. We can have kind of a, a wrong view of our Blessed Mother that she didn't really suffer that much. She suffered more than any human being who's ever been created because of her purity, because of her union with her son, like she and her capacity to love. And the more that we can love, the more we suffer because we acutely feel the sufferings of those we love. And so when we're struggling, when we are having a hard time standing up for the truth, or we suffer the rejections or the abandonments, our Blessed Mother knows them. And so does St. Joseph. He had to, to lead the Holy Family to Egypt. He had to uh, lead his family in all of these difficulties. And then he himself did not get to be at the foot of the cross because of God's plan. So he couldn't be there to protect our Blessed Mother and our Lord in that time. So they they know suffering. They know what it takes to be in union with the Lord and the great love he has for us. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.